The following audio was recorded during a meeting of the Department of Offense. It is not suitable for children, the easily offended, or anyone with actual taste. You have been warned. Jane Goodall motorboating a gorilla's floppy milk. I would make a lot of rectangles. I could never do squares right. We all had to put pants on this week because you're here. And now it's time for the Department of Offense. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the Department of Offense. I am your host, Matt, today because uh, Casey is out of town. Yeah. Uh, did I, Was I faithful with how excited Casey was at the beginning of each of his shows? No, you know, I don't know. I don't think you were excited. You, let's try it again. Let's uh, From the top. From the top? I don't want to go all the way to the top. How about oh, just... From where you talk. Oh, okay. Right, how about that? Hello! And welcome to episode too 90. much, too oh, much. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. yeah, tone it down. Just oh wait, actually, actually, it's episode four because this is the fourth time I'm hosting. Oh yeah. So uh, next week it'll be Carlos's episode two, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yes, I'm Matt, and uh, as joining Casey as always is uh, Carlos. Yeah, I'm always here. <laughs> it seems like. I think it's just because I don't have anything better to do. Yeah. Well, you got something better to do today. Well, yeah, I have. A, I have a wedding to go to, so it's a good <laughs> thing that we we just have a short session and then we have a uh, interview for you guys. Yeah, that that was a really fun interview, and you guys will get to hear that in a bit. Uh, and then Eric is here as well. I am here. You are here. Last week, were you moving in? Is that why you weren't on the show? That, uh, I had to go to work. Oh, you had to go to work. Yeah. Well, uh, Eric has a new house now, so that's cool. Yeah. I haven't visited yet. You like it? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's nice good. to have a room. And he's got a PS4 because I guess... Have you heard this, Carlos? Oh, you got a PS4? Yeah, my roommate had three of them, and he was like, do you want a PS4 to put in your room? And I was like, yeah, I want a PS4 to put in my <laughs> You'll room. You'll have to uh, friend me because I got a PS4 too. Yeah, I know, I know. You have a PS4? When did you get a PS4? I had a PS4 I since they one. came out. Oh, yeah. I, I had no I thought you would have gone with an Xbox. Yeah, like that's how I I started playing Last of Us because I had it on a because I got it on PS4. Oh yes, it looks amazing on PS4. By the way, did yeah, you see it on PS3 too? I did not. Uh, I never saw it on PS3. I know it like was supposed to be good on that too. I'm intrigued to see what the difference is because I was gonna I was gonna pick that up yesterday. They're doing the sale at uh, Target. Do you have PS4 too? No, I have a PS3. Oh. But they're doing the sale at Target now, where it's buy two games get one free, and I was gonna get uh, Grand Theft Auto oh, the last. Only of I us didn't and... have to spend all my money on suits. And Shit. Damn it! Why'd you I buy know. suits? And then I was gonna buy the stick of truth for free because that, that was, game is awesome. Yeah, I heard it was. Well, I saw Casey playing some of it. it looked pretty fun. It's pretty fun. But yeah, I, I was. Uh, well, I actually watched uh, some South Park the other day, and uh, for the first time in a while, because I was scrolling on Hulu, and I was like, "Oh, South Park! I haven't seen that for a while." I'm like, "Oh, a virtual reality episode!" I'm gonna. Oh watch yeah, that. I just watched that one. That one was and really. It was, good. it was amazing. That was so confusing. You never actually knew were they in virtual reality or not. They were like mixing them the Matrix <laughs> with. And just the best is at the end of the episode when uh, Butters' parents are like, oh, wait, he's not grounded anymore. Butters. I don't know what this is. Butters, you're not grounded Butters. anymore. <laughs> Butters. Uh, that was a really good episode. I don't, is there anything going on in like news that is, because they always try and keep up to date with things that are going on. Well, I saw, I actually started watching the, like after I saw the episode, that was great. So I start instead of going to sleep, which I should have, yeah. I just started at the beginning of that season and like they had the red skins, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was really good too. And then or, the, the Lord instead of like, instead of a, oh, that was absolutely, Lord, 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 Lord,
Lord. I am Lord. And that's why. And that, like they, they actually had a clip of Lord singing. <laughs> and like one of the one of the one of the lines that she had was like hot 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 hot. Like that Lord said it was. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. The uh, they did an interview with Lord too later that week, and she's like, "Oh my God, I'm so honored to be part of South Park." <laughs> and then she did the Lord, Lord, Lord. I am Lord. Lord she Lord, did Lord. that on camera for. The that's awesome. <laughs> but I'm yeah, that musician. That is why that show is not going anywhere. Is because they're so up to date with everything that's going on. And I like, I like their new season intro too, like all where it look actually looks like a oh yeah kind the, of 3D yeah they paper. did the 3D stuff yep instead of paper. Feeling good on a Wednesday, <laughs> Lord 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 Lord. <laughs> oh God, yeah. There's been the uh, what else have you been watching? Anything reading on anything? Or? Uh, I've been watching Constantine. I saw the 200th episode of Supernatural. Oh, 200 already. Well, it was a musical. It was a musical. What? Well, like there was mu- some so- music in it. Oh, like okay. A, the, the brothers didn't sing it because uh, they were going to like a uh, like a high school. Uh, they put to, like there's this uh, like in the book in the series, uh, some books were written about the supernatural brothers, about the uh, Winchesters. Okay, and like it it sold like shit because it was really badly written. But it was like the, it was written by a prophet of God. Oh, and then like, uh, <laughs> but then it ended up getting this fan following online. So like later on, they come across like they found out like there's all this fan fiction. Like there's uh, like you know you've heard of like twin cess and like it's like incest except with twins. Oh, well, God. they call it it's they call it, uh, so they bring up wincest, <laughs> which is just the wincest. You <laughs> and that, yeah, that was a uh, and like the, uh, so like there's like this whole like cult following for the series. Mm. And now with the two hundred two hundredth episode, they had. Had, uh, this high school girl put together a musical of her own interpretation of what the events <laughs> happened that after the last book because the author disappeared, and it was just bizarre and hilarious. Cool. Nice. And every bloody everybody in the play was a uh, it was a girls' high school, so everybody was just played by a girl. Mm-hmm. So you had like Dean was a girl with a wig on and like some like markers on her face drawn for her stubble and nice. So I have to check it out. Like they're like standing like close to each other like. Because uh, the person playing G- Dean was a le- lesbian, so like, whoa, whoa. like she's so, so she's standing a little, a little close to uh, the fake Sam. It's like, whoa, take a subtext back. <laughs> but it was a it was a f- fantastic episode, hilarious. Like you don't even have to watch the previous seasons. They also opened up with it in the intro. They had played every uh, like before the episodes play or like after like the couple minutes. They, instead of like playing a whole like intro, they just have the short blast of supernatural and they okay. go back. Right I back like to the when story. shows do that instead of nice wasting short, yeah. forty seconds on a. And like Breaking Bad also had a short yeah, one too, but yeah. they just blast supernatural and they played every single one of those that they ever put together. Nice. Even the special episodes, like where it's like <laughs> black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I really value like I, I you don't have to watch anything I haven't watched it since like season four. Oh, okay but I stop you can just hop in there and you don't miss anything that's good that's good uh, I suppose we should probably talk about where Casey is he's yeah a, the people are really like where's that where's that odd voice that yeah, usually he is, is a, he's in this. Florida right now what the hell I know like we have snow up here he's uh, undergoing an operation to turn into turn into an old person <laughs> <laughs> he's but old people for, don't uh, go to Universal well they live down there though that's true that is very he's true aiming for an octogenarian but he might end up with a septuagenarian so it's really a the best part about this weekend that he's going down there is it's not even going to be that warm there because if you've looked at what is it going to be 65 low something like that but still at night but st- maybe no if you look at the Eric you have a computer in front of you look at what the weather is supposed to be like there but uh they showed a thing of the map of the US right now and there's the cold front that's like 
swarming the entire United States, and Dallas is going to be like 16 degrees. Dallas, Texas. No way. It's, yes way. It what, 16 degrees Celsius, maybe? It's, it's no. in Dallas. But like, there's like this one strip of green, and like part of Florida's in it, and the bottom of Texas. Otherwise, everything is like bluish, purplish, going up to us, and just freezing. <laughs> I don't know. What it, and then Alaska is like 50 some degrees right now. I don't. Uh, yeah, like we. I don't even notice that's any colder than usual because you know we live in Wisconsin. Yes, and, I know, but it's very early. But yeah. uh, yes, he's not hitting it much right now because it's 74 degrees. Ooh, I'm jealous. I wonder what he's doing today. Is he getting drunk? He's probably getting drunk. He he's is probably, probably drunk right now. Wasted right now. <laughs> trying to trying to get into Universal Studios, sir. You're too drunk. We can't let you in. Like he uh, he was texting me a little bit uh, <laughs> before his flight. And he was already drunk because he uh, had a banana. Yeah, and he, got this, he, he got, had a banana, and I was like, "Oh, it turns out the banana does not stop alcohol from in your system at all." <laughs> no, he uh, he texted me early in the morning. He's like, "The best part about airports is I'm not the only one at the bar." <laughs> and it was like six o'clock in the morning. Yep. And then he got on the flight, and I guess the uh, Sun Country gave him free tickets for uh, Surly beers. Oh, really? Yeah, because that's what they serve craft beer. They serve Surly beers. That's like, awesome. Yeah, like what the How hell? How wasted was he? I don't know. But I'm sure he's probably hung over by the time he landed. Speaking of Casey, I have a nice little top ten list. Ooh, to do ooh, while Casey is not here. All right, uh, do we have any top ten music from David Letterman? Because that'd be hilarious. If that we would did. be good if we did, but we probably well, don't. Could we do a drum roll? Let's see if I can adjust my mic. <laughs> <laughs> can you guys hear that? I think I think we can. I think we can. All right, coming in at number ten. Drink all his booze and smoke all his cigars. Oh. Sorry, guys. I already did that. Oh, oh damn nothing left for you guys. <laughs> Number nine. Change the background images on all his computers to collages of Justin Bieber. Oh, <laughs> that sounds pretty fun. I kind of replaced them with penises already. So. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight. Fill his room with empty Bud Light and Red Dog cans. Uh, well, who's gonna buy all that bullet and rug? We'll just go to the we'll just go to the the dump or something. Yeah, just pull <laughs> them out of the recycling. Right. We'll pull them out of the recycling next. Well, door. Emma's does have enough bottles of like Bud Light and everything. No, so there we go. We don't have to buy a whole bunch. I of, could collect yeah. them after uh, work tonight. No, there we go. <laughs> Maybe we should like put some string through the cans and just hang them up on the wall, <laughs> like a, like a triple arm. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Number seven. Turn his TV on and burn a scene of the Gilmore Girls. Onto the screen. <laughs> Just leave it there all week long. <laughs> all week. To both weeks. He'd probably be happy about that, though. Well, the next one, number six, he would not oh, okay. do the previous, only with interracial gay porn. <laughs> I don't think that interracial part's going to show through very well on uh, burning it into your screen. Oh, you never know. You never know. The contrast of the white on black would like how maybe. About, how about just the scene at the end of Fight Club? Pause it right there when the big penis comes up and just leave it there. All <laughs> we week. could do that one too. Yeah. And number five, replaces protein powder mix with ground up chalk. <laughs> I thought that was already ground up chalk. Yeah. Oh, it would taste I think, even worse. Oh, okay. <laughs> Number four, move the studio to a new location and not tell them where it is. <laughs> That'd be good. Number three, switch all the inputs on the soundboard around so when he tries to turn his mic on, he turns on mic number five. We don't have to worry about that. We'll somehow do that anyway. Yeah, you know, that's going to happen. Between now and the time he comes back, that's going to happen. <laughs> even if we tried not to. Yeah. Number two, make a show about uh, being racist, misogynistic, and homophobic, so he gets tons of hate mail. <laughs> well, at least we're getting some mail. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And do we, we need a drum roll for number one, right? Yeah. You do. 
and the way to really make him mad. Number one, drink all his booze and smoke all his cigars. Oh, Wait, yes. didn't we already do that one? No, yeah, but we it's found also the secret the stash. Class, yeah. <laughs> so yes, Casey, just wait till you get home. I'm pretty sure he brought a stash with him, <laughs> and then I'm pretty sure his bosses are buying him more yeah, booze and true. cigars. So number one is like one that's going to transition into when he comes home. Too. Yeah, it's going to yep. be when he comes back and like he's got suffering withdrawal from not having constant cigars and alcohol. <laughs> but yes, uh, I guess we go on to our beer, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, I picked this out today. It is Avery Brewing from Boulder, Colorado. It is the Maharaja. It's an Imperial India Pale Ale. Uh, I'm the worst person to be picking out beers and talking about on the show because, as you know, all I say is usually, oh, it's pretty good. It, it tastes like good. But, uh, yes, it's Maharaja is delivered from the Sanskrit word meaning great. So that's what um, it means because I've heard it before. And the so Maha is great and Rajan is king. So the great king is what Maharaja means. Uh, I did not know that. Good to know. I would have changed my middle name to that, but you know, I don't want to get, I want to actually make it on my, on uh, airplane flights. So (laughs) yeah. My name Uh, is Maharaja. It's part of their dictator CD series and uh, it's got a 95 beer advocate score. So uh, what do you guys think? It's all right. Uh, I've had better IPAs, uh, a little uh, a little bitter there, which is uh, it's fine. What makes it an imperial IPA? Do you know? It's well, it's a little fascist. Oh, okay. That's a uh, you can you can taste the fascism in the. <laughs> Where's the Casey or Miles when we need them? <laughs> because that's what's making this different than the normal IPA. I think there's something more uh, sweet about it, or I don't know what it is. Robust, uh, more robust. Yeah, it's it's definitely yeah, it's, uh, it's uh. It's really sweet. It's got like a like a pineapple kind of character. Characteristic I do taste the pineapple. Is that pineapple? It might be something else. Uh, I don't taste any pineapple. I just I just <laughs> taste like how it's like it's like an IPA except darker. I guess. This I guy says you- on Beer Advocate it tastes kind of like honey. Do you taste honey in it? I don't know. I don't eat honey. <laughs> I don't deal with honey. I never had honey in my life. Honey, honey is bullshit. Honey tastes like sucks. Well, this guy in Beer Advocate says the grapefruit is not all that bitter, and there is a lot of pineapple. Oh, so I was right. Oh. Somebody else tastes oh. pineapple. So it was pineapple then. All right. I just didn't taste it. And a uh, sweet caramel malt flavor to finish it, I guess. One more sip. It's not bad. But uh, I don't think I'll buy it again. Too heavy for yeah. me. It's definitely not something that you want to get drunk off of. Yeah, I got a. You'd probably throw. Have it you up. guys had any other of the Avery? Avery. I've had Avery I've, beers. You know, They're I've good. had to have yeah. had because I'm pretty sure it sounds. Yeah, the only ones I saw were these big bottle ones with the big A on the top there. I'm pretty sure I had to grab. We had to have grabbed one for the show at some point. In time. I like the art a lot. That picture of yeah. the king is pretty cool. But uh, yeah. All right. I don't so, know, I've just been drinking sours lately, so I haven't ha- been drinking. Yeah, IPA. like we've had, we've had an IPA on tap for a while, and like it's barely even touched. Yeah. So IPA, I think, is like losing its kick. Well, I just think things. it's like not the right time of year right now. That's true too. Like I, maybe it was a. We little got bit more the uh, Black Boot 
Black Butte Porter. Black at, uh, Butt. Black Butt Porter from uh, Deschutes at Emma's now. Oh, yeah? And it's selling like crazy. It's really good. Oh, that's good that like something different is selling yep. stuff. Uh, Miller and... And it's four fifty too, so that means people are willing to spend more for good beer. Oh, boy. So that's cool. Maybe Emma's will be getting some more beers like that. Hopefully. Well, did we're you, getting Moon Man on tap now, too, so that's, oh, that's pretty cool. cool. That's cool. Like, did you guys have... Uh, Spotted cow before? Yeah, we've we've always had spotted cow, yeah. and then we got Lucette, and we got uh, Two Hearted's, one of our biggest sellers. And uh, really, yep. Surprisingly, I'm surprised that you guys have Two Hearted on tap. It's oh just, yeah, it sells like crazy. People I figured love like, it. Uh, is it like the college crowd that's buying it, or are some of the old? No, it's, nah, it's, it's like 25 to 35 years old, kind of that area. And then there's a lot of older people that come in and get it too. I'm just surprised that everybody's not buying a Red Dog and such. Oh, no. The the main college one would be Bud Light or yeah. PBR. And I'm glad that that's not the highest seller. <laughs> but, yeah, we, Two-Hearted's pretty good. It's good that uh, actual tasty beers mm-hmm. are getting chosen. And then we just got Sierra Nevada in, too, so that's cool, but it's not on tap. But hopefully uh, some people start buying that as well. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, I suppose it's time for the news, huh? Yeah. Yeah, if I can find this huge list. Casey gave me a list of hard drive of a bunch of songs on it, and I have to sift through. Thanks, Casey. You chose wisely. <laughs> and now the Department of Offense presents News with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to let this play out. Doesn't it cut out? Yep. You know, it's still going. Oh, there you go. Yep. It just cuts out. I think we need to edit that clip. You know, it used to. It used to go on. Yeah, we used to have banjos throughout the whole thing. And then Casey's like, fuck banjos. I'm done with this shit. Why even have the banjos in there then, huh? huh? I know. It's huh? just... Huh? And it just cuts out. It doesn't. It doesn't. Doesn't fade or anything. It doesn't have an all Mac fade. It just cuts. I just gone. played that whole thing so you guys could uh, yeah. see see our little our yes. All right, the news. Uh, does anybody know how to say the word the probe name for the probe that landed on the comet? I, I do not. P H I L A E. Phil. Phil. We're just gonna call it Phil. <laughs> Phil, the Phil probe has successfully landed on Comet 67P Wednesday. Uh, it's 310 million miles from Earth. The first images of its moon-like surface have been released, and it's basically just one picture that we've seen so far. And it's uh, you got a little leg in the corner, and then the comet in the background, which is uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it is. Just, it is. Uh, now, this isn't a planner or anything. We just hit this rock that's flying I know. around. 310 million miles from Earth, we got this one little spot that we sent this like 10 years, 12 years ago, something like that, and we hit that one spot. And this comet's been going around for millions and millions. Yeah, I know. Millions of years. So scientists are hoping this achievement in space exploration will help us understand how life was created. Comets are basically time capsules from the beginning of our solar system, and it may contain the building blocks of life on our planet. So hopefully we can get some cool stuff back and learn some shit, huh? Have you heard of the noises from the comet yet? No, I haven't. How are they? It's just a just this just like that. So like shooting through space because it's like the magnetic field that's making the noise. Yeah, and then you can also listen to like Jupiter. That oh yeah, dude. Some of those planet noises are like it's super odd. Yeah. So, but like apparently, like it's like if using the checking the magnetic waves, it's like so small, like it's it'd be impossible for a person to hear it. It's like in a milliamps. I don't know what they measure sound in, but you can you can bump up the milliamps to actually hear it yeah we otherwise you wouldn't be able to hear it at all that's true 
a Chinese man divorced and then sued his ex-wife for giving birth to what he called an extremely ugly baby girl. <laughs> Initially, Jing Feng accused his wife of infidelity because he was so sure that he could never be a father to such an ugly child. When a DNA test proved that the baby was his, Feng's wife came clean with her little secret. Before they met, she had undergone $100,000 worth of cosmetic surgery in South Korea. Feng filed for a divorce and sued his wife on the grounds of false, false pretenses for not telling him about the plastic surgery and duping him into thinking she was beautiful. The kicker is he won. Uh, his Wait, ex where is this? This is in China somewhere. <laughs> Uh, the ex-wife has to pay him $120,000. Uh, it goes on to say, I married my wife out of love, but as soon as I had our first daughter, we had begun ha having marital issues. Our daughter was incredibly ugly to the point where it horrified me. And there's a picture of him with his wife and three kids, and they're all pretty ugly. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> yeah, she got the cosmetic surgery where it looks like her eyes are wide open, like uh, American eyes and stuff, and she does look very beautiful, but then showed a picture of her before, and just looked Looks like the children. <laughs> so, yes. That's pretty funny. The thing is you can win in China. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tattoo artist Ryan Fitzgerald is facing a $100,000 lawsuit after giving his ex-girlfriend a steaming pile of shit tattooed on her back. Rossi claimed that Ryan was supposed to tattoo a scene from Narnia on her back, but after Ryan found out that Rossi had cheated on him with his best friend, Ryan retaliated with this tattoo. Rossi didn't know what he was doing until... He was what he was really drawing on his back until she was he was finished. She deserves it. So yep, she's got a big it literally fills up her entire back. I saw a picture. Good. <laughs> Cheating whore. Uh, an underwear bandit is actively stealing women's undergarments in Kodiak, Alaska. Alaska state troopers say there's been a rash of burglaries reported lately. People have returned to their homes and finding items, mostly women's underwear, missing. Fisherman Hannah Clark told Kodiak radio station that she began noticing items had been moved around her home. Uh, she didn't connect the incident with her missing underwear until she heard it on the news Wednesday. She jokes, the thief has good taste after taking her recent $150 shipment from Victoria's Secret. I mean, he, took, he took the whole shipment. Yep, I guess so. That's pretty awesome. So first he's breaking into people's houses, and then he's like, he moved up and, uh, I think my ride's here, but, so he started uh, moving up in the world then? I guess so, yeah. All right. You're going to well, check on your ride? Yeah, I got I, I go. to. He's got to head out. He's, he's got a wedding to go to. Go to. See you guys. Have a good day, Ben. Enjoy. Drink all the free booze you can. Yeah, drink all the booze. <laughs> Well, I guess it's just me and you now. <laughs> All right. Uh, a mom who suffers crippling seizures every time she hears pop star Neo's music has undergone surgery to have part of her brain removed. What? Fed up Zoe, 20, Zoe of 26 has an epileptic seizure within seconds of hearing the chart topper's vocals, making her freeze, vomit, and unable to re react to the world around her. She has to wear earphones whenever she goes shopping just in case Let's Go's singer's tune starts being played. She has been clinically diagnosed with musicogenic seizures, which are triggered by the tone of Neo's voice. Huh. I found that one pretty interesting. That is kind of interesting. Like, what the hell? And then finally, welcome to the new saddest website on the internet. Kickend is where dreams come to die. Because it's the site that catalogs all the projects on Kickstarter, st Kickstarter that got zero funding. <laughs> Not a penny. Nice. Here are a few of the failed Kickstarters. A carbon fiber digital walk, a carbon fiber surfboard digital wall clock. 
It looked hideous. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> a photo book on the 31 lighthouses of Florida. They wanted $20,000 for this. Wow. No, I uh, nothing for that. A delightful toothpaste lapel pin. <laughs> it looks like a thing like of crest, a just like, whoop, and it's just on your, on your okay. lapel. Well, okay. Uh, the Steve Jobs magazine called the Legacy Series. Linda's Pea School, essentially a big creepy barn in the middle of nowhere. Cult, anyone? Her Pea School? Peace. Oh, Peace School. Okay. <laughs> uh, matchstick holders asking about $10,000 to put some matches in a glass jar. Wow. I think she was just asking for some money. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think she was. And then finally, a Christian action movie called Kane. Okay. Yep. And there was just a bunch of comments that said, no, you aren't doing this. Yeah. <laughs> no, God will smite you. And that's really all I have for the news. That's cool. Do you got anything else over there? Um, You know, uh, this might be good to bring up on, on Soundwave, but I thought this was interesting. The Pope recently announced uh, his musical act for the Christmas show down there at the Vatican. Oh, yeah? Guess who's, the, guess who's uh, fronting it? You too. Patty Smith. What? Yeah. <laughs> How the fuck is that possible? I, I don't know, but it's pretty fucking awesome. What? Yep. I'm gonna go after research this. Like that is amazing. I thought it was the pretty, Pope, Patty pretty Smith. Cool. What? He's, he said that what? Patty Smith is one of his favorite artists. What the fuck? Yeah, the Pope is a cool dude. That yeah, wow. Well, yeah, no wonder he's like advocating gay marriages all right now yeah, and everything. Well, and he's he's always been that kind of like a peaceful guy anyway. So, well, compared yeah. to all the other popes, and now he has Patty Smith as yes. a Chris. Now and Patty, Patty Smith, Smith is like full frontal, like, hey, I don't deal with this religion shit. Yeah. And what? Oh yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool, man. That is really cool. Well, uh, yeah, I guess we'll take a little break here and let you guys listen to the common man brewing. They're from uh, Ellsworth. Yes, they are. And we talked to them, I think it was a couple weeks ago, and it was a lot of fun. They are starting a new brewery. Is it brewery? It's like a brew pub. Uh, it's a brew pub. A gastro pub. Gastro pub. And they were talking about some of the foods, and I'm really excited to get down I know, there dude, whenever it opens. It sounds, it sounds really, really nice. And what, like 16 taps or something like that, yeah, too? Yeah, that's what he said. He said he hopes to have, I think, you know, three or four. They're going to sell They're gonna sell stuff first, beers. and then once he starts getting more funding and stuff, then they're going to start brewing their own, yep. I think. But yeah, so so uh, here you go. Uh, we're here with uh, Russ uh, Corpola. Is you that... got it right. Not, hey, not many people nice. get it first time. So. Well, my last name is Vlostein, so I'm oh, used okay. to <laughs> weird names. The usual mispronunciation is Corpella, and I, I answer to that, but it's Corpola. So good job. Okay. Hey, yeah, that's one for me. Yeah. Uh, you are the owner of Common Man Brewing or founder? Yeah. or it's Founder, owner, CEO. Um, Floor sweeper. <laughs> just, I'm everything right now. So, All right. Uh, yeah. uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what Common Man is? Well, Common Man Brewing was a uh, the culmination of a uh, about a 10-year project for me that originally started as wanting to open some sort of uh, tap room. Um, and life just kept getting in the way. Um, and... And just being a little too risk averse, running the numbers, just having a hard time um, leaving a really uh, good job and career in economic development to do it. Um, but then um, my son got into uh, home brewing about five or six years ago, and he, he dragged me into that um, and uh, really enjoyed it. And I start uh, thinking about not only would it be a great way to um, for me to expand my knowledge of craft beers, but... I start seeing the possibilities of it being a unique marketing 
niche and way to really strengthen the business model for a, for a tap room. And so uh, about three years ago, just decided to get serious about it, start educating myself on home brewing, started doing a lot more research and development and going to as many small microbreweries that I could find and um, start looking for buildings. And one of the, we can talk about a little bit later, but finding a building that's in the 2,500 to uh, 3,000 square foot range that doesn't need a half a million dollars of renovations to make it meet code um, or that is affordable from either a purchase price or a lease price. There are just not many of them out there. Mm, okay. And so um, it just I just found this building about six, seven months ago. And, and it, then it... Uh, and then my, my career was uh, at a point where uh, earlier this summer, it was uh, just the moons aligned was a good time for me to leave that career and really take this project on seriously. And so did that and um, resigned in my last real day of work was August 1st and um, founded Common Man Brewing and now has been working full time to get the, the, the brew pub and the brewery uh, up and running. Awesome, awesome. Uh, you guys are in the uh, like the old Hinks building, right? Yeah, it's a section of town called Midway, kind of halfway be- between downtown and uh, East oh, wow. Ellsworth. They've named it now. Yeah, <laughs> Midway. Uh, but it was the old grocery store that had been now has been converted into a into a strip mall, and it's um, probably most familiar to people. It's where the Family Dollar is in Ellsworth, mm-hmm. and it's the eastmost unit. Um, really uh, affordable lease space, uh, wide open. I have one small non-bearing wall to take out. has a big garage door on the side. It'll be really easy to get supplies. In oh, nice. Um, has um, tons of parking. Um, and there's about 50 to 75 feet of additional blacktop to the east of the building that I negotiated my lease that I can use for outdoor seating space nice. and small special events. Oh, wow. And That's like that. going to be That's real fantastic. good. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, so yeah. I can do... We'll do. We're, we don't do a lot of live music, but we'll do some, uh, particularly in the summer, some outdoor events with um, some smaller bands. And um, so, um, it's it was the, almost for a, a building, a space that wasn't designed to be a brewery. Uh, it was as close to being ready for a brewery as you possibly can get. It's That's a, phenomenal. Yeah, it's got tons of power, floor drains. Um, it, it was just it was ready to go. It was great. So. Where'd the name Common Man come from? Um, it was a uh, a low tech, low budget um, branding session with just friends and drinking beer and and coming up with names and um, checking the internet to see if the name was already taken and almost everything we could think of, there is that name is already. Been <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Uh, with uh, I think we're now over three thousand breweries in the United States. Working its way to four thousand pretty quickly here, and um, you do a who is search on the internet, um, and all, many names that we mm-hmm. came up with uh, were already taken. Um, so, uh, but we came up with Common Man because uh, I was born and raised in Ashland, Wisconsin. Really, you know, they always say, you know, if you're educated north of Highway Eight, I was educated north of Highway Two, <laughs> and so we're a bunch of rednecks up there, and. Uh, and just average Joes, and so we decided that uh, we just stumbled upon Common Man and um, did our due diligence on it and uh, allowed us to, we're going to build a brand around that average Joe, the Common Man, um, and the, our decor will be, um, lunch, uh, the a main design element will be lunch pails. It'll be kind of feel like you're in a in a factory. Oh, okay. And um, 
it's uh, so we're going to really promote that whole that whole brand throughout yeah. everything that we do. It's awesome. a, a great name for a brewery. It is. It's it, phenomenal. It, it, I'm I'm surprised nobody did, had yeah. taken it before. And that's to be another one too. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I, I know I have an article upstairs just about how 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 tough it is now to yeah. name a brewery. Yeah. And common man, you would think like, well, Bre- that would have been taken years and ago. And brewery but. names, uh, brewery names, and then uh, our next challenge will be, and not so much for us because we're not going to bottle and 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 package in any way at least to start um but the names of your beers almost anything you can think of as being used somewhere and if you're going to package then you really got to make sure you're not violating somebody else's trademark mm-hmm. and, and things like is that, that is that an initial or a, a, an eventual goal is to package or do you want to stay uh in the pub only we're going to uh we're we're not opposed to it okay um, it's um uh, if our brand takes off and we sense that there's a market demand for that, we'll certainly explore it. Um, it's not our original goal. Uh, and there's some reasons for that is that um, as I did my market research um, and to develop the business plan, when you look out on the West Coast, uh, California, Oregon, Washington State, most of the new breweries that are opening out there are making 500 barrels of beer or less. Really mm-hmm. small Nano breweries that are uh, brew pubs more than production facilities, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the there's a couple of different reasons that that's happening, but w- one of them is debt load. One of the one of the killers for small breweries is taking on too much debt too quickly mm-hmm. and not having enough working capital to get through some of the sl- uh, inev- inevitable slow times that you're going to have. Okay, and so when you go from a nano system like mine is going to be roughly twenty five thirty thousand dollars with. All the brewing equipment, kegs, fermenters, all that. And what what size system is that again? Just going to be a one-barrel system. Just one barrel? Yep. And so, um, very small. Um, But you get up into the five, seven-barrel systems, which are still really quite small, you can quickly get into a Mm $250,000. So that's a limiting factor. Access to capital is very difficult for a lot of brew pubs. The other other reason, though, and and this is only my personal opinion, and and I don't have any real hard data to be able to show you, but uh, I believe that one of the challenges in the brew industry is what the bankers have asked me is said, boy, they're really springing up all over. Is the market oversaturated? And the answer to that question is no. Um, micro Craft beer sales have increased about 15% a year for the last three or four years, but craft beer sales still only represent 8% of the total beer mm-hmm. market uh-huh. in the United States. So there's still tremendous amount of opportunity. And before the before prohibition, and then after prohibition, we got the development of the big mega breweries. But before then, every little town had its own brewery. Mm-hmm. And and so if you took the brewery count from the the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, and use that same per capita with today's population, the United States would have thirty thousand breweries in it. Wow! And so there's still <laughs> tons of tons of capacity um, relative to the United States past history. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those little breweries yeah. were, were, were served small towns. And so um, we're seeing a trend back to that breweries springing up lo- smart people using low debt load serving their local neighborhoods more than trying to serve an entire state or region. Yeah. I think that's the we've, smart way to do yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, and we've talked with a few brewers who mm-hmm. are doing that and it seems to be the right yeah. thing to do. The challenge that I see for the people that are not even, they're still considered quite small. I mean, when we look at it, Summit is actually small. Mm-hmm. Surly is still pretty small. 
Um, but in our region, they're some of the big guys. But when you get a, another step or two down from there, those that package, they have easily a half a million dollars invested in their operation. And the there's only so much shelf space in grocery stores yeah. and liquor stores. And when you've got new players coming in the market all the time, there's constant competitive pressure. You've got big new players coming into just the Wisconsin market. Dogfish Head just came back into Wisconsin. Yeah. Surly will be back in Wisconsin in 2015. Deschutes just got to Wisconsin too. Deschutes yep. is in Wisconsin. And those are big players. And there, when you go into the uh, liquor store, like Casanova up in uh, uh, Hudson is one of my favorite liquor stores. Those big breweries are getting top of shelf space yep um getting maybe 10 feet of shelf space and some of the smaller players that are some of my regional peers are down on the third or fourth shelf mm-hmm. and their business model requires that they sell that beer in packaging they, they can't do it with just a tasting room and so um that's the challenge facing the industry not the growth opportunities but positioning your business model so that you can be profitable um, while watching your debt load. And so that's uh, part of the, uh, one of the strongest reasons we went with, went with real small. And now, you know, there's the famous story that Dogfish had started on a one barrel system. And so if my brand takes off and I see that I can make some money by packaging, you know, certainly we'll yeah. do it. But um, I think uh, Wisconsin's brew pub permit allows you to have six locations. And so I believe that uh, my future is in finding other towns like Ellsworth. Maybe it's Ladysmith. Maybe it's Spooner. Maybe it's Amory. Little towns that aren't big enough to attract the larger breweries but can support a small neighborhood brewery um, back to that, that that model from pre-prohibition days. Okay. And that's where I think expansion uh, I think comes from. I think that's a wonderful uh, idea. I, yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, keep it local. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, are you going, like, with the with that permit, can you self-distribute to, like, local pub, like, yes. local bars so you can you can bring, uh, like, a keg down to Snowballs or something? Yep, yep. The... Um, um, Wisconsin has two types of brewers permits. They have a, um, a, a, a brewer permit, and that allows you to make, um, I think it's up to th- 300,000 barrels a year, an ungodly amount of beer. Yeah. So, um, and um, that offers, uh, and that was one of the, the first round of our business plan is what we looked at. It also offers you class B, which is tavern license, and Class A, which is liquor store license, authority for the town that you brew in and one other town in Wisconsin. Oh, wow. Um, and for your beer or any beer made in Wisconsin, you can't sell liquor, you can't sell Dogfish mm-hmm. Head, Surly, but your beer or any beer made in Wisconsin. And over the, over the last 10 years, so many breweries have opened in Wisconsin that that was not going to be a problem finding enough quality beer to sell. Right. Um, yeah. And the Class A authority was... Really, the difference between a Class B tavern can sell beer off sale, um, but they can't advertise their prices publicly. So that's why you see, uh, let's say, Bose and mine here in River Falls. They can send you home with a six-pack, but if they have a really great special on a six-pack price, they can only advertise it within their building. They can't run ads for that. That's a, that's a major difference. Where Class A liquor stores can run ads about their prices. And so by giving you that Class A and Class B authority, it really gave you some promotional efforts. That's Plus awesome. it allowed you to do a second town, and so uh, a second location. So that's why you're starting to see um, – 
Capital Brewery now has a brew pub on State Street. They're utilizing that second location mm-hmm. to create their own branded uh, brew pub. And yeah. Ozo is doing something similar. And um, uh, But I was just starting to write up my business plan and a local restaurant in Ellsworth that was being run more as a malt shop, um, but used the building used to be a bar, had a full liquor license. Um, and they uh, decided they hadn't served a drink in two or three years and didn't realize, didn't think that they needed to spend that $600 on renewing their, their liquor and beer license each year and surrendered it back to the village. And so I went in and got that full liquor license. Nice. Oh, awesome. Nice. And so, uh, which was approved in early September by the village. So now I'll be able to sell my beer, anybody's beer, wine, and liquor too. Um, that allowed me to apply for a second type of brewer's permit that Wisconsin has, and that's the brew pub permit. And under that permit, you're allowed to make 10,000 barrels of beer, which is still uh, about 30 times the capacity of my yeah. system, and self-distribute up to 1,000 barrels of beer. Okay. Um, and the other requirement is you have to have a kitchen license, which um, is easy because you have to have a kitchen license to serve frozen pizza these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going through that at Emma's. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that thousand barrels, my excess capacity, I will be able to to do it. The okay. challenge for me, though, in um, is I will sell excess capacity almost more as a brand marketing project mm-hmm. than uh, uh, selling beer. And th- and the reason is on a barrel of beer retail without a lot of shrinkage. You know, I'm going to be able to make around $1,200, $1,250 per barrel by serving it over my own bar. Mm-hmm. A half, uh, a barrel of beer, two half barrels, a half barrel of craft beer is roughly $130, $150, depending on what you're buying. And so I would maybe get $250, $300 for that same barrel of beer. And so I'm giving up $1,000 worth of profit. Because I'm so small, none of the distributors are going to want to work with me. So if I yeah. sell a barrel, half barrel beer to Hammond, let's say uh, the Hammond Hotel, um, guess who's bringing it? I'm throwing it in the back of the pickup <laughs> truck. Yep. I'm driving, driving it up there. there. I got to go back and get an empty keg sometime. And you're, yeah, the profit goes out the door out the really, really quick. So seems like a smarter idea just to get yourself out there than yeah. to actually yeah, try to yeah. make money. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, that, I mean, that's obviously. the thing, you know, yeah. like tap takeovers in, yes. like in town and exactly. get the name so, out there. You know, view it more as a marketing expense, a marketing project than, than anything else. And, and it also forced me to really consider keeping that to as close to Ellsworth as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the other ideas we've been thinking about is I would go to, um, let's say snowballs and say, here's what we'll do. We'll put a common man. We'll develop a recipe with you based on maybe what you like. And then I will guarantee that that recipe will, will be only used in your bar. You will exclusively have that beer to yourself. Um, and that way, um, and then so that somebody says, well, that was really good. I went in there and then they can say, well, yeah, common man who brewed that for us. They're just down the street. If somebody's drinking in my bar, they say, geez, I heard about this great beer at Snowballs. I said, well, that's exclusive. After you have a couple here, why don't you go check out Snowballs? Yeah. And they become kind of a, a cross-promotional yeah. opportunity for both establishments. Well, plus you're in a great location where you're within walking distance, I think, of all the bars in Ellsworth. Yeah, depending on your level of ambition. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> well, I mean, it's... it's ambition I mean, it's, or inebriation. <laughs> it's, it's, exactly. a few blocks, but yeah, it's a it's, few blocks. It's about six blocks. Yeah. yeah. So um, Not bad for the average person. Yeah, no. yeah. No. I, I, one of the other things that appealed to me about the location, besides the 
physical structure of the building was. It's it sits sweetly between downtown and East Ellsworth from an entertainment district standpoint. Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing that about the location is about 10,000 cars a day are going across Highway 10 every day. Um, and what people don't realize is that the small towns around here are part of a much larger economic system. And so um, the beauty about the internet is all the demographic data that's available to you. And 20 mile, in a 20-mile radius of Ellsworth live 125,000 people. Most of the average household income is 75,000. Educational attainment rate is about 45% have a, um, a higher education degree. Those are the same demographics of craft beer drinkers, mm-hmm. yeah. by oh, yeah. and large. Within a 30-mile radius of Ellsworth, you have 450,000 people. Um, and they are coming into western Wisconsin, a lot of those people from the eastern suburbs of the cities, every single day to enjoy experiences over here. And so when you look at, like, say, the Ellsworth Creamery, um, and you look anecdotally at the at the license plates uh, on any given day there, and that store is always busy. I yeah. know. We were in uh, last, or I was in last Sunday, and there was a 20-minute wait to get just get to the counter. Um, wow. And most of those license plates are Minnesota plates. Vino in the Valley, Flat Penny's Ice Cream, a lot of the orchards. And so uh, we're gonna we're gonna really capitalize on that market. Um, the last piece of demographic, because it gets I know f- for people who aren't drafting a business plan, it gets a little boring. <laughs> but ninety five percent of the workforce in that thirty mile radius drives twenty minutes or more a day to work. And I grew up in Ashland, which was kind of the center of the world of northern Wisconsin, and we never considered driving. There's five minutes across town. That's where we went. Mm-hmm. But down here, everybody. Drives everywhere. Dr- drives everywhere. Yep. Um, and so people are um, used to driving 20, 30 minutes to anywhere. And so if I have 450,000 people within a 30-minute drive of me, that's a huge market that I, that I can access. Yeah. To. Yeah. So is, is that why you chose Ellsworth specifically, or was it just right location, right time? It's uh, more right location, right time, and I live in Ellsworth. Okay. And so one of the thing, commitments I made to myself is, uh, if I were going to pick Ellsworth as a location, don't do it because it was simply convenient. It it had to work in as a business model, not because it was happened to be close to home. Well, it sounds like you got that figured yeah. out. Yeah, so. yeah. And we, we went through the data. Hudson, um, great town, very expensive rent. Um, and there's already two there. Yeah, yeah. There's more competition. Um, you can get lost there. So as I really start looking at the Baldwins, the Menominees of the world, um, and um, and then Ellsworth, River Falls, I really looked at carefully. Um, it would would have been nice to be in a college town. There's just a lack of buildings in River Falls right now at the, yeah. pro- at the proper price point. Um, and so um, just all of a sudden start looking at Ellsworth more seriously when I found this building, and it proved itself to me as a as an entrepreneur that as a location because of the demographics, the building cost, all those things that we just talked about, it stood out on its own. That it happened to be the building is about eight blocks from my house was in a big bonus, there's no <laughs> doubt. Yeah. But it, it it stood on its own as a location and so that's the okay. way, that's where we went. Um what about the I, I I was looking at your website uh, today and I saw something about like a shareholder crowdfund opportunity that you're going that you're doing right now. Yeah, that's really uh, really exciting for us for a couple reasons. Um, uh, if anybody who's listening to the podcast here has ever tried to get bank financing on a bar or a restaurant, they know it's 
very difficult to do. It's hard to hard to get capital um, for those types of businesses. And most of us that go into this don't have a independent wealth where we can just write a check. Uh-huh. Um, my project is going to be about a $250,000 project by the time it's all said and done. And I personally don't have a quarter of a million dollars laying around. <laughs> and so um, uh, in, in some... Some the the restaurant bar industry is sometimes has created some of its own problems. Um, there is a um, you know that it's not an uncommon practice for a lot of receipts never to go through the till, um, and so uh, to avoid paying income taxes and things like that. The problem is is that when the when the the owner of that facility wants to go sell that facility, a lot of income that they're making doesn't appear on the books. And so there's no historical data for for a bank to look at. And so most bars and and a little less so in restaurants are sold by land contract because they they just can't get bank financing. And so I decided that I what I was going to do is take my 20 years of economic development experience and uh, wrote a very serious, lengthy business plan that when a banker looked at it, they could tell that this is somebody who really has thought this out. And so I treated it no differently if I was going to be opening a um, manufacturing facility. Mm-hmm. And the, the business plan looks like that. It's okay. full of research and data and really proves itself as a business model. And that has helped me immensely. Um, but I still needed to raise some additional equity. Um, because I'm using a leasehold premise, not purchasing a, a building, the, there's nothing for the bank to put a mortgage on. And so uh, they're basically their collateral will be my good word and the equipment that we put in. Your family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, brewing equipment right now, thank goodness, is holding its value. It's mm-hmm. all, it, you can sell it for what you paid for it five years from now um, just because it's, it's such in high demand. But walk-in coolers, tap systems, kitchen equipment, it's all relatively expensive, but it's like a car. The minute you open up, it's worth 50 cents on the dollar yeah. on, on an auction. And so um, banks are, you know, that's, and that's all they'll lend against it. So I needed to raise some equity. And um, Wisconsin last fall passed, took advantage of a federal exemption um, legislation that allows states to claim um, SEC exemptions from a lot of stock requirements. And and, and so it, uh, they passed that. In June, they finally got the administrative code done, and that went live in Wisconsin. And it's called crowdfunding. And one of the one of the uh, crowdfunding is um, many different things to people. Kickstarter is often called crowdfunding, but in Kickstarter, when you make a donation to Kickstarter and then you receive some premiums in return, a shirt, a mug. Um, a growler, a beer, mm-hmm. things like that. I think we've all kickstarted something at one point. Yeah, so. yeah. You don't, um, you don't get any ownership share in that company. Under crowdfunding, as it's defined by the Wisconsin legislation, when you make a contribution to the company, you are actually buying an ownership share of that company. Okay, and so you'll be a part owner of the of the of the company. Um, previous to that, small comp- for crowdfunding legislation. The SEC requirements to issue stock were really, really onerous. Um, it, it was just an unbelievable ten, twenty thousand dollars worth of legal work, kind of paperwork. <laughs> Under the exemptions, that went away. Um, and then uh, the other thing that happened is, previous to that, pe- only people who made a hundred thousand dollars a year or more and could prove it through two years of income statements were allowed to buy stock from your company. Under the crowdfunding exemption, anyone can buy stock from your company, regardless of their income stream. 
up to $10,000 per person. Okay. Um, and so if, uh, unless they are a certified investor and make $100,000 or more, then they can buy as much as they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with those two things, it opened up the ability for small companies, um, and it's uh, it's probably going to be mostly used by small food companies, restaurants, breweries, because those are the types of businesses that have a harder time getting capital um, from, from traditional financing sources to sell stock to people who are passionate about their what they're selling or their project. Um, the first company in Wisconsin to take advantage of the crowdfunding was Mobcraft, which is a brewery down in Madison. And their sale went live about six six weeks ago. And then our sale went live yesterday, and Common Man Brewing is the second company to take advantage of the, okay. of the crowdfunding. Okay, nice. cool. Um, SCC requires me to say this about 10 different times, but I'll just say it once. This is a inter uh, this is a exemption from the state of Wisconsin as a result only people uh, residents of the state of Wisconsin can take advantage of that. Okay, of so the opportunity. only people in yeah. Wisconsin can yeah. do that. Um I guess okay, uh where can people uh find that and if they want to uh, hop on that bandwagon. So the um, uh, the Wisconsin legislation requires you to, uh, each company is going to take advantage of to use a internet portal. And one of those has been developed um, in Wisconsin called Craft Fund. And um, it, it's like a Kickstarter for crowd, uh, for crowdfunding. Um, and craftfund.com. And they have a whole host of companies that from across the country that are, are using crowdfunding. Um, we are, um, we're on there. Okay. Uh, and once people uh, verify their residency, self-verify, um, I think you have to enter your driver's license number, um, then you uh, will have access to all of our disclosure statements and the whole, all the legal stuff that you have to read. Oh, okay. Um, and, um, and so we're going to, uh, that launched on, on uh, yesterday, the sale will go for 45 days, and on the 7th of November, we're going to have kind of a, a kickoff event at the brewery building. Um, and Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Cleefish is going to come and do a press conference. She was an early proponent of crowdfunding, so she's going to talk about the, the benefits of that. Crowd- that sounds like good free advertisement for yeah. you. Then. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. And um, we can um, we wanted to generate press articles, and um, the SEC rules are very, very stringent about what I can. What I've just said is about as much as I can okay. say. Um, and so, example, um, they're very. The SEC is worried about two things. One, they want to make sure the offering only goes to Minnesota res or Wisconsin residents. Excuse me. So when you go onto my Facebook page and and I talk about it, you the first thing when you click on the link, it asks you to verify your residency. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the because uh, the SEC says, well, if you make a Facebook post and talk about it, you have no control over whether or not somebody from Minnesota is reading mm-hmm. that Facebook post. So, I, which I think is silly, but um, you know that you know. My attorney said, don't mess with the SEC. <laughs> uh, Seems like a good plan yeah, in general. Solid, but, solid but, the, but the flip side of that is that anyone else can talk about it as freely as they would like. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways to get the word out is to get to get media and press releases by and having newspapers and, um, and podcasts like yourself um, – talking about it um, and then um, which drives people to the website and then they can figure it out um, on their own. And once I confirm they're a Wisconsin resident, I can say whatever I want to them one on one. on Okay. So. Very cool. Huh. Um, I guess, why don't we talk a little bit about the beer and food of Common Man? Sure. Uh, so are you guys going to focus on particular styles of beer? Like, do you have a favorite uh, style that you really are excited to put out? 
Yeah, you know, it's just, it's something that I struggled with early on. Uh, my personal preference is I like big Imperials. Okay. Whether it's a Imperial IPA, a Stout, um, I like those big beers. Um, and I about a year or so ago, I got a little bit into cellaring beer. And so I'm always on the lookout for 22-ounce bombers, uh, big Imperial bottles, mm. and, and things like that. But... This other side of my struggle is I know the demographics of the market that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still a lot of Bud Light, Coors Light, Michelin Light drinkers out there. And so looking at a Nuglaris um, beer box sitting right in front of us, one of the reasons I'm small craft breweries should be pay homage to breweries like Nuglaris because when they develop Spotted Cow, Spotted Cow has been a gateway beer for thousands and thousands of craft beer drinkers. I think there's at least two in this room. Uh, yep. <laughs> and by gateway beer, I mean it's non-threatening beer, Spotted Cow. The average Bud Light drinker, Coors Light drinker, said, well, that's not, I can I can try that. Yeah, it, that's weird. My dad would never say that about most other beers, but yeah. he'll drink Spotted Cow or their Staghorn. <laughs> and yeah. and oftentimes then, once they had that little better better taste profile of a beer, it gave them the confidence to maybe go up another level. And suddenly, like myself, 20 years ago, I was a Miller High Life drinker, and now I still drink Miller High Life if I'm just getting done mowing the lawn or I'm sitting around a campfire and I know I'm going to have 12 beers. But um, I, it was, it, you know, South Shore Brewery for me in Ashland was my, at, at their nut brown ale was my gateway beer. And so, and then to, to go along with the common man brand, um, I think our beers will mostly focus on making beers that are accessible to the average beer drinker and, and providing gateways to people in craft beers. So we'll have um, blonde ales, uh, lo- low hopped pale ales, um, session IPAs, um, things like that. Um, now that doesn't, the, the beauty about having a one barrel system is I don't have huge inventory cost in any one batch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 31 gallons. It's going to be about 150 bucks, maybe $200 depending on the grain bill. If it, I make something experimentally and it really doesn't taste very good, if I have to dump it down the drain, it's not the end of the world. It's not killing you. Yeah. It, um, like, it, But if you have a 10-barrel system and then you're just pouring $2,000 down the drain if it's t- horrible. So I'm going to take advantage of that. But generally speaking, my flagships will be accessible beers. Because I'm a brew pub, I will be able to sell anybody's beer. And so we're going to have 16 tap lines. I always oh, have wow. four or five of my own. And then our guest taps then will be where I bring in the Founders Breakfast Stout and some some of the... I think we have a new location. We no, yeah, I think so. <laughs> the challenge to that and that's... We're going to need a shuttle between here <laughs> yeah. and elsewhere. Yeah. Oh, we got Spencer living oh, elsewhere. We'll true, just pressure his true. place. The, uh, the challenge is... Um, when you have a lot of guest taps, is that your beer is invariably going to be compared to other beers. Mm-hmm, and so yep. my, I, I, I'm going to be very committed to quality, but I don't delude myself into thinking that my beer will be comparable to founders at first. And so that's the challenge is having people say, oh, they try your stout and then they have a founder's stout and they go, ooh, that founder's is really good compared to yours. That's a bit scary to us, but... When I go into a brew pub, um, I like to have variety. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And I will invariably try the home the product that was made on site. Um, but if I like to have the option, 
of, yeah. of trying some of the other stuff. And so um, that's that's our strategy right now. Um, I also think if for excess capacity and selling to weddings and picnics and things like that, having a great blonde ale um, yeah. will be is what probably people are going to want to buy for mm-hmm. that graduation. Pilsner, yeah. Blondale, yeah, somewhere exactly. in there, yeah. Are you guys going to do lagering at all or strictly ales? We're going to start with strictly ales. Okay. Um, we're going to, I'm going to have one or two small cool rooms. So, um, but, um, uh, one barrel brewing, which is, a, uh, the kind of one of my inspirations in downtown Madison has been, um, the owner there, Peter Gentry has been incredibly gracious sharing his experience with me and what he would do differently. And he so far is making great beers and has never had refrigeration. He, he only makes beers that he can make with just at, that ferment well at, mm-hmm. at, at room temperature. Um, I have some. I have a little more space than he does, and so um, I got. There's a couple different models on, on a cool room, so I'm going to try to have uh, some cooling capacity, some that I'll just brew at room temperature. Uh, one of the reasons, though, that I want to have a cool room is uh, for those beers that demand. Um, consistent cooler temperatures and you know pilsners and lagers and stuff yep. that fall into that category. So, um, but there'll be mostly ales. Um, okay, and um, and we'll try some. Uh, I make a great um, an, a great apple ale, and we're gonna try some sours and you know some some stuff like that. That'll be interesting. Sours, I'm sold. Yeah, All right. <laughs> everybody loves. So, <laughs> so with 16 taps, how are you gonna get people to actually drink your beer? There'll be a price point difference, okay. um, uh, probably by fifty cents to a dollar a pint. So maybe that founders is going to be five bucks a pint, and the in the common man stuff will be four dollars a pint. Uh, Do like maybe promotion or something yeah. where like if you buy this one, you can get like a short glass yeah. of mine or something. Yeah, right, yeah. Or and something. so um, and I, uh, I, I, I think that particularly at first when people travel to a brew pub, they're there to try that yeah, person. Yeah, that's what I was going to oh, say. Yeah. It's so, kind of the uh, point. Yeah, so if we can make quality beer, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to have, I, I don't fear that. We're also going to growler everything that we sell, okay. uh, except those things that the distributor will only give me a very small amount of, mm-hmm. like maybe Hop Slam. Maybe yeah. You're lucky if you get a keg of uh, it. A keg of it. Um, we probably won't growler that, but there'll be a price point on the growlers too that makes it uh, advantageous to buy our beer. Um, growler sales are, um, I can't believe more people don't do it. Any class B tavern can sell growlers a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you go sit at the Nova, either on the restaurant side or the liquor store side in Hudson, just for an hour, and you realize how many growlers goes out their door every crazy amount. Um, so we're gonna do, we'll growler that. We'll also have thirty or forty different bottles, and we'll have a our our, our beer menu will be a, a drink at the bar price, but we'll also have a build your own six pack price on any bottle that we sell. Oh, awesome! And so we'll give you a little check sheet, and if you can just check off the ones we want, we'll put in a box for you, and then um, that's so, a great idea. So we'll do a, genius. Um, and I got that idea for Portland uh, in Seattle, but mostly Portland have a little different beer laws than Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and in Portland. There are a lot of liquor stores that don't sell any liquor at all. They only sell beer. And their liquor stores and, and, and beer stores can have their own little tap room. And so in Portland, you will go into a beer store. There's a little tap room. You get a pint of beer. They give you a little grocery basket that's already pre-slotted out for bottles. And then the rest of the place is just coolers with individual bottles of hundreds of beers. And you drink a beer as you're walking around shopping, and you grab one, and you put it in the grocery basket. Portland is the best beer I'm town. Gonna, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I need lie. to go to this place. Yeah. It sounds magical. Portland uh, it, is pretty magical. It, well, and it's... 
it's also every bar, even the dive bars, do not waste any of their tap lines on domestic yep. beer. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Except, all craft beer. Everywhere. Except except for you know occasional Pabst. And for some reason, in Portland, Miller High Life is a cult beer. And so a lot of places will have Miller High Life, but that's it. Otherwise, everything is locally made. There's almost 50 breweries in Portland as a municipality. And so even the dive bars, you they don't they don't serve crap. And they have Cascade Brewing Company, which is... Um, so we're going to try to... We'll try to <laughs> replicate that experience a little bit. So okay. as you're sitting there enjoying a beer, you'll be able to take it home in a growler, 32-ounce growlette. Or any of our bottles, you'll be able to build your own six-pack. Awesome. Yeah, so. That that sounds phenomenal. I'm uh, really excited. Good thing we have plenty of growlers here. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm not going to, you know, some places you got to have their growler to fill. I'm not going that, to. That's, that's kind of B. Yeah, that's BS. Yeah. yeah. Any no. any 64. There's no money in the growlers. Yeah. As a, as a selling the actual empty growler as a souvenir item, you only make a buck or two on them. Yeah. If you're gonna, and so the, the whole thing is to sell the beer. I don't care what 64-ounce bottle you bring in. I'll fill it up for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so are you guys going to do glass uh, growlers or the steel? We'll probably have uh, two or three different types of growlers okay. from the basic brown jug to a, a, a line, a double walled stainless. And I'm kind of looking into some of the new little um, CO2 systems that'll fit on the growlers. Oh, okay. That um, keep that growler in uh, basically make a little mini keg. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those we are, are pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're a little pricey. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's just cool. <laughs> they're going to be great for Christmas gifts and people yeah. do stuff like that. Then we're also going to have a little, um, you'll be able to take home two and a half gallon little mini kegs that we'll be able to fill that do have a little gas system that we'll just rent out. Or they'll be we'll put, okay. put a deposit on. Kind of so, like those Heineken ones yeah, that you can yeah, buy. Yeah. yeah, but now they've got refillable ones that oh, they're okay. making. Cool. Um, and so we'll, we will have those available if people are having a little dinner party or something like that. Okay. Um, and then, of course, we'll have things in six barrels and then um, half barrels for larger events mm-hmm. that want to bring, cool. bring something home. Um, yeah. Uh, what about the food at Common Man? Well, we're going to uh, have uh, pub-style comfort food. Um, as you, you know, I was over, I did a little microbrewery swing a couple weeks ago in the Twin Cities and hadn't been to Dangerous Man yet, which is a fantastic brewery and is, uh, the whole layout of the building was kind of what we envisioned for Common Man. It was a great stop. But in the Twin Cities, most of the little breweries that are opening up over there don't do a kitchen because they have such an established food truck industry mm-hmm. there. And so they just have invite food trucks to park outside of the building, and that's how they provide food service to people. Um, and it's getting to the point with wireless and Bluetooth, they can work on an arrangement with that food truck so that somebody they can people can take an order via an iPad in the brewery, and then it will print out a, the the order in the food truck that's mm-hmm. outside, and then they just walk outside to mm-hmm. get it. Um, and so, um, and the whole point of serving food is. There's way more money in the alcohol than there is in the food, but food is to give people a reason to stay and have another beer. Exactly. um, But uh, I did a little checking with the food truck industry, and there will be some weekends that I would be able to get a food truck to come to Ellsworth, but not on a consistent enough basis where I could reliably always count on at least one food truck out there to provide food. So we were forced to put in, in our business model to include a kitchen. We're going to do uh, pub-style comfort food, 10, 12 menu items a day, um, high-end macaroni and cheese, um, kind of a lot of uh, crock pot kind of dishes, okay. soft pretzels, cheese and sausage boards, um, ca- a carbon four brewing down in Madison, another great brewery. 
sells a ton of high-end deviled eggs. Um, just We're going to walk that fine line between a supper club like the West Wind or the Shady Grove and the dive bar that makes a great bar burger. We're going to you know, try to uniquely provide things that neither one of those places provide um, and give people different taste experiences that um, the opportunity for taste experiences that they wouldn't normally have. Awesome. Well, that, that's something that's huge in the industry now is like the gastropub kind of yeah. idea where you're yeah. taking, you know, meatloaf and you, you jazz it up just a little bit and then people, people love it. And then they'll come, you know, for your beer and then have your meatloaf and then just want to come back, you know, it's, yeah, and it's, it's a great idea. And I for think. me, it's the scariest part of the whole operation, not having a ton of kitchen experience. Okay. But I have some consultants that I'm working with, but, um, and they'd laugh if I called them that I call them consultants, but <laughs> people I know that have worked a long time in the kitchen and what they're helping me with is saying, okay, that's a great idea, Russ. Here's how you, you can make it so you can make it in advance and profitably. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, and, or here's that tastes really good, but if you put this little um, a sweet chili sauce on it, it's even going to be better. Um, but then the beauty of the internet is a Pinterest, all the different websites. I'm watching diners, dives, and drive-ins constantly. There's so many ideas out there to generate menu ideas mm-hmm. um, that the recipe development is really pretty easy. It's turning that idea that you see either online or on TV into something that you can make easily without having to pay a $50,000 chef. Um, and you can make it as much of it as you can in advance so you can crank it out really yeah, fast. Right? Okay. So, uh, what about like your ingredients? Are you going to try to source locally? Yeah. I mean, you're surrounded by farm out yeah. there. No, we certainly will locally source um, uh, as much as we can because that's uh, my our whole brand is to have a premium experience. We want uh, we want you to learn something. Um, I love going to places where I learn something in the process, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, and being surrounded by you know we have Katie Cheese, the Ellsworth Creamery. I have, I'm gonna have no problems finding cheeses. Yeah, <laughs> we've got Siler's Meat Market, Pierce County Meats. We got tons of great sausage makers. Um, we, I've been to lots of farmer markets and talking to some of the artisanal cheese makers who are doing the soft goat cheeses and things like that. We'll have a lot of those things. Um, any place that. Uh, I want to support fellow artisanal food producers and, and bring and bring their things in. That being said, I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm not going to say it's the only thing we do. If Cisco Foods has something that's really good that mm. everybody likes, that isn't a, it's something better than a deep fried mushroom cap. I'll. I'm not. I'll buy it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. Um, just don't advertise it as, as being, you know. Because <laughs> I, I, there's places that do that, and and I I love food, and I've been in, in this industry, and I I can spot something that's yeah. frozen. And don't lie to me. It's amazing, <laughs> and it's amazing. You know, one of the great things about when you're opening a brew pub is that the food companies call you and invite you to these food shows mm-hmm. and to sample stuff. It's amazing the stuff that they're selling now that to the untrained eye, you would never know that came off a truck. Oh, yeah. It, it, the, the quality of the pre-prepared stuff is really quite good, but it's easy to get in that trap. Um, but um, generally speaking, we're going to try to we'll, we'll try to keep it um, local, homegrown recipes with locally uh, locally sourced ingredients. Awesome. Well, uh, I guess before we wrap up here, what's your projected open? Like you guys are looking at January, you said? Yeah, our original, our original target date was December 1st. Uh, we were um, um, mostly putting all of our funding together. It took a little longer than I expected. Okay. Um, so it's going to be more like January 15th. We are ready to go. All the vendors have been in. We know what we're going to do. And in a couple of weeks when we get the green light on all of our money, they'll be able to... Th- 
within a month we'll be up you know that the equipment will be in and then we'll need to do some staff hiring and some testing so january 15th i think is a reasonable goal a couple of weeks we should be able to get our ttb permit in and um that should allow us to start brewing beer by around the first of february early okay uh, but or maybe february 15th you know a quick blonde ale with a good super yeast is probably pourable in two weeks. Yeah. So, um, uh, and we're going to force carbonate. So, um, you know, I, I can see no later than March 1st, we'll be pouring our own beer, but because we're a brew pub with a class B retail permit, well, until then we'll just serve other people's uh, great beers and probably bring in Pitchfork and Rush River and Lucette and um, American Sky really to help promote those folks. Yeah. Un- until we get our own going. Um, and then uh, we'll probably not, uh, you know, I love Pitchfork Brewing. And I, you know, we, I want more breweries to open in Western Wisconsin. We need a little bit more critical mass. Mm-hmm. And we've been struggling with, would I regularly have Pitchfork on? Probably not. Um, because if they're in my place, they probably were half hour before we're up at Pitchfork Brewing. Yeah. And and so, but I want to encourage those folks to do, we'll do co-tap takeovers with each other. Mm-hmm. And really, yeah. Um, oh yeah. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, um, We'll probably bring in, you know, like Carbon Four, uh, Next Door Brewing, Vintage Brewing, um, uh, One Barrel Brewing. Some of those Madison ones never get distributed up here. Yeah, we're gonna hop in a U-Haul, go down there, buy buy some kegs, and get it up here and have stuff. That, that, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would I be love Madison totally beer. Awesome. Yeah. So is... you know, you'll be able to. My goal will be to bring stuff that you don't normally see around here. So that's, um, that's so. phenomenal. Mid January, we uh, and check out our Facebook page. That's right now where we're where we're doing most of our communication with our uh, with our fans and um, where we be able to keep up to date. And as as you know, the web page is about three quarters done, and by the end of the week, it should be pretty much completely done. You'll be also be able to follow us there. Uh, we're on Twitter at CM Brewing, um, and um, especially as we get closer to opening, we'll get more active on tw- on the Twitter sphere. Um, Very so. cool. All right, and your website is commonmanbrewing.com, correct? Commonmanbrewing.com, yep. All right, perfect. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, Russ. Guys, I appreciate it. This is how it's done. I love uh, social media, and uh, the new media is how we promote these breweries nowadays, and so I appreciate the opportunity to yeah, be part Yeah, and of we'll it. definitely keep our listeners apprised of any right, big great. news from you guys via our Facebook page and Twitter feed as well. So. Excellent. Any, anytime you get something to talk about, we're here. So, yeah. yeah. All right, I'll keep you in mind. Oh, that was just great, wasn't it? That was a that was a good time, man. I tell you what, that guy did a great interview. Yeah, he was really fun to talk yeah. to, and I just enjoyed. I, I'm excited to hang more with them and learn more of what they're going to do out there. Definitely, I hope he remembers us when we go in, so we can hopefully get some free beers. Yeah, and Casey said before he left for Florida, he said that he went went there, I think already, and said there's it's quite a bit more to do there, but ah, he said okay. it's a really good location, really good place. So. Nice. Yeah, it's definitely be a place uh, to hang out at. It's gonna have a lot of good stuff so i'm excited for that one yes so i think uh that's about all the time for our show here it was a relatively short show for us and uh casey will be out again next week but uh carlos is gonna host next week oh so that should be interesting huh 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 that will be really (laughs) so uh let's see if i can find our outro music here oh Oh, first try first try perfect you chose wisely For more updates and information about the Department of Offense, you can go like us on Facebook. 
it has all our little updates on there and whatnot, and all talks about all the rest of our shows. Like, uh, we just recorded a new session of Tabletop, an ongoing one from, I don't know, what is that D&D 4 that we're doing on that one? I don't know which one it is. Uh, yeah, the new one. Yeah. So, that one I had a lot of fun recording, and I think we're going to continue that one later on, too. I so, I think so that starts next month, so be ready yep. for that. Uh, this show is still live every Saturday, so go on our website and you can find a link to the live stream there and you can chat to us, you can ask us questions live and we will, it's always fun. You can even look at us yeah. if you wanted to. That, that, I don't know if you want to, but... But if you, you so decide to, then... It, it, it is pretty fun being able to watch us, I think. It is. I think. It I think. Is. That's uh, blindindustries.com slash live. Uh, there are five other shows, including this one, available to stream on our website at blindindustries.com, or you can even subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. If you just can't get enough of this show, you should help support us, because this stuff is not cheap. Yes. At the bottom of blindindustries.com, you can click on Patreon and sign up. It works kind of like a subscription slash donation service where you can pledge any amount that works for you, even as low as a dollar. Hey, that's only like 12 bucks a year. That's like, that's great. We'd love it. Yeah, that's like buying us some beer. That is like buying us a nice case of beer. Ooh, beer. Ooh, beer. beer. Uh, <laughs> then also, if you're going to shop on Amazon, don't forget to stop by our page first and click on the little Amazon.com link at the bottom of our page. Do all your shopping like you normally do on Amazon, and then when you go and check out, Amazon just puts a little money in our pocket. It doesn't change the price of your products at all. It just, boop, we got some money. It'd be great. Uh, questions, comments, any kind of feedback, email us at feedback at blindnewsviews.com, or you can message us on Facebook. We will talk to you again next week. Peace. 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 Peace.